in verse 5, one verse, and um, I don't know if you guys stand when you read the Bible, I, it is, whatever you do is fine. It, some churches stand, some don't. I don't particularly, I'm not going to judge you no matter what you do, okay? But I'm going to read this one verse, Luke chapter 17, verse 5. And the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for this opportunity, God, to be here with these beautiful people. I thank you for this presence we're already feeling and felt through this worship. And we just pray you just continue that with us this morning, God. Uh, just refresh our souls. Bless us. You know what we need. And I pray, God, that you would take a coal from the fire of the altar, place it upon these unclean lips of clay, that I may say what you would have me to say, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So in this verse, right following that is when Jesus uh, explain that uh, what a mustard seed of faith could do in that particular uh, few verses is when he talked about how that just a, a mustard seed of faith could uh, you could have, speak to a sycamore tree that'd be thrown out and, uh, and just a little bit of faith. And one uh, commentator said that uh, it's not the amount of faith that we have, it's the genuineness of the faith that we have. It only takes a little bit of a mustard seed. So sometimes when we ask God, hey, increase my faith, sometimes that really, the, the, the real question is to increase the genuineness of that faith. Because if it only takes a mustard seed of faith to speak to a tree and it just be cast out, that's pretty powerful. You ever dug up a boxwood shrub? Amen. You ever dug up a tree, something like that? Man, if, you, you know, if you're speaking to that and it just flies out of the ground and it only takes a mustard seed of faith to do that, that's a pretty powerful illustration of what genuine, just a small amount of genuine faith can do. But the apostles asked the Lord to increase their faith. And also, of course, we would have, we would say the same thing. If, even if we didn't mean it, we'd say it because that's what Christian people are supposed to say, right? I want more faith. I want my faith to increase. But have you ever thought about or, or, or wondered what exactly does God do to increase our faith? How does this happen? What does he do? What is the process? What does God do to cause our faith to grow or increase? Well, I'll tell you how he does it. He does it by testing us. That's how he does it. Faith is like a muscle. When it is worked out, when it is stretched, it grows. When your muscles, when you're in the gym and you're... Uh, you know, you're lifting weights, you're doing those different things of, of strength conditioning, you are testing your muscles, and that's how they grow and how they develop uh, is when they're tested. And I'll say this, we can't grow our faith any more just sitting around in church than we can grow our muscles sitting around in a planet fitness somewhere. Every once in a while you gotta hit the bench, you gotta hit you know, you gotta do that, you gotta exercise, right? You don't just get uh, build your faith by hanging out on the pews. You've got to do some things. And James says the testing of our faith develops 
perseverance. It, and so that we may be mature and complete. Amen? Amen. So you, you see a mature Christian, somebody you think is, think is mature. It could be a pastor. It could be someone else in the church. And, and you say, that's a mature believer. I can tell you, if you'll sit down somewhere and talk to that brother or that sister, you're going to find out they've been through some stuff. They've dealt with some mess. They've had their faith tested. And I can tell you this, it will. That, I don't know that there's anything else that will grow our faith other than testing it. That's right. Nobody, you know, everybody wants a pill for something. <laughs> you know, we want to, we, we want to, we want to, you know, you see athletes, they want to bulk up, they get steroids. Give me something to make the process easier. Yeah. Let me tell you something, there's no steroid to take to increase your faith. It's yeah. going to have to be the real deal. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be something that God does to increase your faith, and it's going to be a test. And I'd like to just take a moment this, this morning to look at three ways. There's, I'm sure, some more, but these are just kind of big, just kind of a general example of the way that God uh, increases or tests our faith. And one way is He tests our faith through delays. Amen. And we don't like delays. Amen. I bet you do this. I bet you're in, you're driving through, say, downtown Tacoa, downtown Gainesville, where it is, and you're coming up on a you're in a two lane street or road, and you're coming up to a traffic light, and uh, there's a tractor trailer in the right lane and a Corvette in the left lane. Which one are you gonna pull up behind? You're going to get behind the Corvette. Why? Because you know Brother Warren drives the truck. He's not getting down to that quarter of a mile as fast as that Corvette's going to be. So you're going to get over behind that Corvette. We do not like delays. We hate delays. And uh, and so we, we're going to have to uh, understand, though, that God uses these delays. I was looking at a story about a man and his wife went to a department store and they wound up buying a, 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 a cooler and a suitcase. And so, of course, like usually happens, the lady, uh, the man already went and paid for the suitcase and the cooler. The wife says, oh, and goes back in the store looking around and other stuff. So the man decides, well, I'm going to go over here look in the shoe department while I'm waiting on her. And so while he's over there, the clerk comes up and says, Sir, can I help you? And he says, No, I'm okay. I'm just waiting on my wife. Well, another man heard him. And he said, You know, I'm waiting on my wife too. But I never thought about packing a lunch and bringing an overnight bag. <laughs> so, you know, he said, What are you talking about? Well, I'm telling you, God uses these delays, delays of waiting to increase our faith. And every prayer I prayed were answered immediately. I wouldn't even need faith. I wouldn't even need anything. But Amen. God uh, puts, has set this thing up where we have to wait on things. We have to, it increases our uh, patience. But it, well, we hate to wait. I mean, I hate to wait. You hate to wait. But we might as well, listen, we might as well pack a lunch. And an overnight bag yeah. and know that God is doing yeah. something in that yeah. waiting yeah. and we must well just understand that. And yeah. a good example in scripture is the people of Israel. We look back over in Exodus where they're traveling from uh, from Egypt to the promised land. And, and most people will tell you this should have been somewhere from a 10 to a 12 day journey. But it took them 40 years. Why? Why did it take a week to say, well, they were complaining and different things, and that's true. But really what God was interested in doing was 
developing their faith, he was more interested in developing their faith than getting them there the fastest way. God was wanting to grow these people, and he wasn't interested in the quickest route on the GPS. How many of you have a GPS? You pull that thing up, it's the fastest route. And that's the one I'm going to touch unless it's going to take me on 285. I'll go a little slower if I can get around 285. But what the Israelite people did was they wound up going, they got on the loop. They were going around 285, around 285, around 285. And if you stay on 285, you can drive for 11 years and never get to where you're going. And that's exactly what they did. But God was interested in developing them instead of getting them there on the fastest route. We read in Deuteronomy 18 here, says, God led you all through the way of the desert these 40 years to test you in order to know what was in your heart. Now, God already knew what was in their heart because he knows everything. But sometimes we don't know what's in our heart. We think, man, I'm leaving church. I got it all together. Praise God. It was an awesome service. And all of a sudden, we get in track. All of a sudden, we get to the restaurant. There's a line out the door. We're like, oh, man, I'm not bad. My wife's down the world's worst. I'll drive to Texas to go eat somewhere where there's not a line. Never even considered that I could stood in the line and waited and got to eat quicker. I ain't waiting around. I'm like Yogi Bear. He said, nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. You know, I'm like that guy. But, but, I, but we hate, we're like that. But God is doing things in these times of waiting that we need to understand that uh, that allows us to see what's in our heart and, 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 and that we don't have it all together. I was in a conversation with my daughter yesterday. And, of course, they've raised up preacher's kids, and now I'm in this position. And she said, I feel like everywhere I go, uh, that everywhere I go, everybody knows me. And I wish that, she said, I wish that I had to, I wish that I just go somewhere where nobody knows me. And, and she said, I think, she said, I feel like, of course, we get this stuff in our own head. Uh, oh, I feel like everybody expects me to have it together because of who you are, and I'm a preacher's kid. And I said, let me tell you something. Nobody has it together. Okay, let me just go ahead and put that out there. Nobody has it together. You don't have it together. I don't have it together. And the people you think have it together, they really don't have it together. So it's nobody today. But, but you know, we God is interested in growing our faith and we none of us are going to have it together all the time. And so sometimes we just need to realize God is using these delays. Just using it. In some way. And, and, and the things that I've mentioned here, waiting on a, a restaurant or sitting in traffic or minor things, sometimes these things are healing. Sometimes these things are a loved one coming to the Lord. They're out there over here. Amen. And you don't understand why and what's going on. You say, God, I've been praying. And, and you know, and, and I, I can tell you, I wish I knew the answer to it. I don't know. I wish that, you know, it's a, in my book, if somebody's lost and I'm praying for them, it seems like God would you know, be on the same page the sooner the better, right? Let's get, you know, let's get them in the, the kingdom and so on and so forth. But for reasons not only to him, God is, is using this whole thing. And we can't always see what he's doing and then definitely can't understand it all the time. And, and so we just have to trust him to realize God, I realize you're, you, the scripture tells me you are using this thing to help me. I don't get it. It hurts. It's pain. It's kind of like surgery. You know, you got a big mass or something like that, but they go cut it out and, and, and pull it out and sew you up. And you're sore. You're in the hospital.
hospital for two or three days. But you can't be like the guy that went to the doctor and they put the x-ray up on the screen and, and the doctor said, this is what's going on with you and the surgery's going to be very painful. We're going to have to get this thing out. And the guy's like, well, how much it cost just to fix this x-ray? Make it look better. But it doesn't work like that. See, God's not fixing the x-ray. He's fixing me. Amen. He's fixing me. And so that's what he's doing. So bear in mind that God uses these delays as, as uncomfortable and as uh, as uh, as it's just as uh, as inconvenient as they are. God is using these things, these delays. Another thing that God uses to help our faith increase is is difficulties and trials. Now let me tell you, there's a difference between temptations and trials. You see, a temptation comes from the devil. The enemy. He tries to make us do something that would cause us to be weaker. Amen. And when we succumb to a temptation, then it, it brings upon weakness, not strength. Yes. But trials come from the Lord Amen. to make us stronger. Amen. So, so what God is doing is a trial, not a temptation. And so there's three truths that we can learn about a, about a, 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 about a, a trial or a tribulation is that trials come to every believer. Yes. Every believer has trials and, and their faith must be tested. Look at Abraham. Abraham hadn't done anything wrong. Abraham's uh, faith was attributed to him for righteousness. But all of a sudden one day God, after, for really reasons, that are in the in the in the human eye are inexplicable. What kind of a deal would God do to say, "Hey, you take this child up here and sacrifice him"? That's a crazy deal. But somehow Abraham knew the mind of God. Let me tell you, God had promised Abraham that, that I'm going to make your gift. See, this is where the faith Abraham had. Abraham already knew what God said. He said, he has promised that my descendants will be from the stars of the heaven. And so somewhere Abraham had to have in his mind that, you know what, that God can't keep killing my kids or that promise will never come to pass. So up the mountain he went with, with, with Isaac and he said, you know, here I am, Lord. And, and he went through that process and God said, hold everything. You have passed this test. And they went back down off of the mountain. But that's inexplicable. What in the world was God thinking? Well, how in the world did, you know, and, and, and when we get into these situations, that's what happens to us. We're thinking, what in the world? Why, what is God doing here? I've just recently been in a situation, a family situation. My father, it's been very difficult. It's been very painful. It's been very, I'm like, God, what are you doing? I don't need these distractions. I don't need these uh, issues. And, and, and just a little, just a, a couple, few days ago, uh, Christy said to me, let me tell you, if anybody knows you, your spouse knows you. I can come up here and give you my highlight reel, but let me tell you something. She knows the whole ball game. She knows when I was in the tent getting worked on with my knee and everything like that. And that you don't see on the ESPN highlight reel. But she said, I can tell God has changed you. He has used this to, um, to, to, to change you. And, and I, I started to think about it and, and, and I realized that it's these types of things that help us mature and grow. Trials. Trials. And remember this about trials. They work for you. Not against you. Amen. They work for you, not against Amen. you. Because they help you mature. 
They help your patience to grow. The Bible's all full of that. Romans 8 28 talks about how all these things work to the good of those who love God. So whatever kind of a deal that you're going through in life that you think is crazy, that is uh, unfair, a lot of times it is unfair, it feels unfair, why am I having to go through this? Just know that by faith, God is increasing you. He's building you. He's growing you into that, into a better person. Amen. How many want to be a better person? I like to be a better person. Well, it's going to come through these kinds of things. Amen. And so some of these people that we know, as I mentioned earlier, that are good people, we would say, I've modeled my life after that person. They've been through some stuff. Amen. I guarantee you they've been through some stuff. Trials, endless material. Trials and problems and pressures and stress and tough circumstances. All of these things are what God uses to test and grow our faith. First Peter tells us that in chapter 1, the 6 and 7 verse. It says this, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Grieved, that's a pretty strong word when we talk about grief. We're not just talking about I'm having a bad day here. We're talking about grief, sadness, brokenness, hurting, pain. God, and, and, the, and the scripture says you've been dealing with that, but that the genuineness of your faith, he said, it's going to increase that. And that genuine faith is more precious than gold. Because Amen. when you test gold by fire, it purifies it. He said, when our faith is tested, and here's what he said, this is what God is trying to do. He's trying to get you to a place, Peter said, that you may be found the praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, there's nothing easy about this. Nothing ever happens by accident in the life of a believer in Jesus. Nothing's ever by accident. I'm not saying that God plans bad things for you. He doesn't have to. We already live in a crazy, wicked world where people are doing crazy stuff. And we don't have to. God doesn't have to do that. There are people already doing it. But, and sometimes we bring things on ourselves, right? We do that. But then there's other times when we're just innocent victims of the situa situation. But God uses all of these circumstances Amen. for our good. Yes. All of these things somehow... God makes them work for our good, and he's using these things to test our faith. And sometimes God, I think, has to have a custom-made issue to build our faith, such as with Jonah. There was a lady on an airplane reading the Bible, and there was a smart alley intellectual guy sitting beside her. She began to sneer, make fun of her. She believed what's in there. She said, yeah. He said, even the story about Jonah, that whale. She said, yeah, I do. I really do. She, he said, how, are you gonna, how did that happen? She said, I don't know. I, I guess I'll just ask Jonah when I get to heaven. Amen. <laughs> he said, what if Jonah ain't in heaven? He said, she said, well, then you'd ask you how it happened. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Jonah had a custom-made problem. Listen to this. He had a custom-made problem. And Jonah's problem was so big that it swallowed him up. It consumed him. It consumed him. Jonah's problem literally consumed him. And I think sometimes God puts us into situations where our problem seems to consume us. 
it seems to consume us and it gets us to a place to where we realize I've got to have God. Let me tell you, when you're in the belly of a great fish, whale, fish, whatever it was, I don't care. We, I get this. He was in the guts of a huge thing, and he's realizing as this thing's swimming around and all kind of seaweeds all over him, I'm not getting out of this thing alive without God. How do I know he thought that? Well, the Bible said in Jonah chapter 2 and verse 7, Jonah said this, when my soul fainted within me, I remember the Lord. I tell you, there's got to be some soul fainting every once in a while that comes into our life where we remember the Lord. He said, I remember the Lord. And my prayer came into me in that holy temple. Jonah's in a whale, in a fish, whatever you want to call it. And all of a sudden, he realized that I can't get out of this without God. When you're in a place, you realize you have to lean on God. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. You, that's when you say, my, my, my faith. And that's what Jonah had that custom made from. God uses these things to test our faith. Amen. And if things were easy, it wouldn't require faith, would it? Uh -huh. So there's times when along the way that, uh, you know, we, 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 we realize that we get we can get swallowed up by issues, yes. problems. Yes. But it's in those times that we have to learn to lean. It's like that old song that they sang, singing the Red Back Hymnal. Let me tell you something today. Now, I'm not one of these guys that's throwing hymnals out there. You need to do this or you need to do praise music. Let me tell you this. I like it all. Yeah. You get on my playlist, that's some bluegrass gospel, that's yeah. some southern gospel, that's yeah. some praise and worship. Let me tell you something. If it glorifies the king, I'm all about it. Amen. Not on the end of genres, but this old song is powerful. It talks about a song that's learning to lean. And here's one of the uh, one of the, the lines. It says, "Sad, broken hearted at an altar I knelt, I found peace that was so serene. Amen. And all that he asked is a childlike trust and a heart that is learning to lean, learning to lean, learning to lean, learning to lean on Jesus." Finding more power than I've ever dreamed, I'm learning to lean on Jesus. So sometimes when we're in that situation where that problem has consumed us, that situation has overwhelmed us, if God is teaching us to learn to lean, God is teaching us to say this, I can't get out of this alone. Amen. And, and, and I tell you what, it's better to trust in the Lord. See, we lean on our own understanding sometimes, but the scripture said it's better to trust in God than to lean on our own understanding. If you're going to lean on anything, lean on Jesus. Lean on God because that's what makes a difference. Amen. So God uses those trials. Another thing God tests our faith with is demands. Things that uh, are maybe expected of us that seem impossible. You say, what is that? Well, you know, a couple of examples. There's over 1,050 commands for believers to obey in the New Testament alone. Yeah. 1,050 commands. And so uh, all these, and out of all of these commands, there are some that seem absolutely unreasonable. What are they? What could be unreasonable in the Bible? Well, here's one. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. And I'm telling you, when you're in a mess, and a system, you stand in a hospital ER, and 
and you got a child in there or you're in the ICU with something going on and, and all of a sudden, uh, don't worry, comes to your mind, don't worry. How about this with love your enemy? Amen. Huh? Amen. Seem like a pretty difficult demand, love your enemy. Yeah. Here's one, pray for those yeah. that spitefully yeah. yeah. use you. Yeah. Yeah. How about that one? How about that one? That's a demand. That's not a suggestion. That's what Jesus said to do. And if we refuse to do it, guess what? We need to repent. I always tell people there's more to sin than uh, uh, smoking and chewing and hanging around the people that's doing it. Amen? That there's a lot more to sin than that. Amen? And so when, when, when we're giving these to them, how about bless those that curse you? Hey, all right, hey, that guy just flipped me off in traffic. Bless him, Jesus. Hallelujah. How many times do we feel like doing that? Amen. I'm just being real today. This guy's done about you off on the highway. He's a blessing, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. But I tell you, it's difficult. Those are the things that God's testing our faith with these demands. These demands. Here's what, you know, a lot of times we get messages where people, you know, people preach that this whole Christian thing is just easy. It's Chill. Let me tell you what A.W. Tozer said. He said, breezy, self-confident Christians tell us how wonderful it is to accept Christ and then have a good time all the rest of your life. The Lord won't demand anything of you. Here's what Tozer said. Yes, he will, my friend. The Lord will demand everything of you. And when you give all of it up to him. He may bless it at hand and hand it back, but the other, and, but he may not. Yeah. Wow. You know, I'm done with this. Oh, come on, everything's awesome on it. Jesus, pray God, on that. There's difficulty. If you're gonna walk this road, there's trials, there's problems, there's conflicts, there's things that happen that that you don't uh, uh, understand. But I tell you this: Jesus be standing right there with you, walking you through that. His grace is sufficient. Amen. There's been things that's come my way in life. I didn't sign up for things that you would look at from the outside or in the distance and go, I don't know if I can make it through that. One of those things when my mother passed away. Yeah. You know, as a child, I would many of you may have been as a child, I would think about what happened. What if something happened to mom? What if something happened to dad? And there would just be this fear, you know. And, and you would think about that. You see somebody's parent down and scooting, oh God, how they get like that. But when my mother passed away, I was I was 49 years old and about to turn 50 in a few months. But I can tell you, the peace of God was in that situation. Amen. And I saw that. And, I, and that's one of those things that, you know, it's appointed and a man wants to die. We're going to face that sooner or later with a spouse, with a parent, or whatever. But I'm here to tell you today that God's grace is sufficient. His peace is real. He was standing there with me. I know that I was standing there at that casket. I felt the peace and the presence of God on my life and on my family. But I can tell you that God is like that. He, he demands things of us and there's difficult things in this life that we have to face. But when, but, but, but when he, when this command seems too difficult, this bless those that curse you, love your enemies, pray for those that spitefully use you, those different things that seem impossible. Yeah. It's, a, it's a test of our faith where the issue of the moment is, who am I going to believe? Who am I going to trust? Am I going to believe what God says to do? Or am I going to uh, believe in what I think I can or can't do? I, my mother taught me something. I don't know how spiritual it is. 
But she'd tell me all the time, if I said I can't, she'd say, I can't. Never could do nothing. Amen. But I'll try to kill a bear. Amen. Amen. You know, David could have said, I can't. I can't do that. Look at this guy. But you know what? I try to kill a giant. Amen. 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 But, 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 but you know, we, we, who are we going to believe? Who are we going to trust? God or what we think we can do in of ourselves? And all of the commands that seem impossible are there to test us. And it is in these moments that we have to remember something. Amen. We have to remember what I call the God factor. Amen. The God factor. You see, Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. Let me tell you this. I'm no expert theologian, but I know this. I serve a God that wouldn't ask me to do anything that I couldn't do through His strength and His grace. Oh, yeah. I might not can do it on my own, but I can tell you this. I know God's strength is real, and He can help me to get through that thing. He can, he can help me if I open my heart to it. He can help me say, bless that person that flicked me off on the road. Bless this person that spitefully used me. Bless this person. I'm going to pray for this person that hurt me. Yeah. That's where I want to be. The only way I want to get there yeah. is if when people are cursed. You see, you can't bless somebody that curses you unless somebody curses you. Amen. Amen. You, you, can't, you can't pray for those that spitefully use you unless somebody spitefully uses you. Amen. 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 It happens. It's got to be somebody doing that junk or you can't learn to, to deal with it. And the Lord gives us strength, but with God, and there's examples in Scripture. I can sit here and take 30 minutes just on examples of where the God factor played into a situation where the deal that somebody, the circumstances someone was in, whatever that had to happen could absolutely not happen without the God factor. Moses, he gets to the Red Sea. He's three options before him. Build a bridge, dig a tunnel. Or call on God. Amen. I don't think the other two really options that are out there theoretically. But he called upon the Lord and God said, I'm going to park this water. He said, what do you got, Moses? I got a staff. He said, stretch that thing out, Moses. I'm going to say, just use whatever's in your hand. God will open up the thing. But he said, open up the dry ground. I love That's my favorite part. Dry ground. I've been on lakes that the, the dam would break. My dad's lake, the dam broke and the water drained out. You could walk out where the, the lake was at. But let me tell you, it took weeks and weeks for it to be dry. It was mushy, muddy for weeks and weeks and weeks. And, 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 and But this thing just says, and the ground is dry. Nobody was expecting it. But God says, here you go. Here you go. I told you to, I told you to go, Moses. I told you to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. I told you to go. There's a cloud by day and a pillar of fire. Yeah. Just follow that. We're going to make this thing. What about Gideon? Here's Gideon. Military man, strategist. I don't need that many people to do this. I can take it. But God says, hold everything. He starts going through this process of reducing Gideon's army down to 300 people. 300 that's not much bigger than a football team. And he's wanting to fight an army of thousands. But let me tell you something. Gideon was victorious. Why? The God factor. The God factor. There's Joshua. Let me tell you something. I don't care what you think this morning, but, but marching around the city once a day for six days 
and then going around it seven times in the seventh day and shouting, and I don't care how loud of a Pentecostal shout everybody's doing, it will not knock down the walls that are big enough to race chariots three wide on top of No, 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 but let me tell you how that happens. It happens by the God factor. You just do what God says to do, and he'll make the rest of it happen. Amen. Amen. See, I'm talking about the God factor. I'm talking about demands on our faith that we can't accomplish that task. We can't. Let me tell you something. God has demanded me to, 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 uh, to, to help over 2,500 churches in 32 countries across the world. You think I spend a little time overwhelmed? You better believe it. But I know this. If God orders it, he'll pay for it. It's his will. It's his field. And I'm just going to listen to him and move forward and do what I need to do. And I know it's impossible without God, but with him, all things are possible. David, the three Hebrew boys, you know those stories. All of those things were impossible. They faced impossible challenges, impossible circumstances that were not, they weren't able to accomplish anything without, but with God, those things were possible. He fought battles. He opened up waters. He subdued enemies. He fed people. He slayed giants. All of these things that God did, he did for them. In most of those cases, it was just like this. Yeah. You know, the psalmist said that God was a very present help in a time of trouble. But guess what? Before he can be a very present help, has to be a time of trouble. There's be a time of trouble. He just can't be. I'll never forget. God, you know, God just not. He just doesn't show up and say, "Hey, I'm here if you need me. Don't worry." Has God ever did? I mean, God. It's like, yeah, there's faith, and I believe, but God's not saying, "I'm right here. I'm right here. I, I, if you need me, I'm right here. I'll sit over here. Just holler if you need me." Now, sometimes God is not doing that, and we get to that situation, and all of a sudden He shows up. Like that old song said, he's an on-time God. Amen. Yes, he is. Amen. He may not come when I want him, but he'll be there right on time. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. I'm going to break out singing here in a minute. Amen. I'm going to a hymn out there and a praise song from the 90s. Man, what's coming up next? And it's like, praise the Lord. But in order for God to be a very present help, there has to be that time of trouble. And I'm sure there's many of you today that can tell me a story about a time where something impossible was going on in your life and you you knew this is not going to this, this is not going to happen or this person is not going to make it without God. One of my big stories is my daughters. Uh, they were born in 1998 at 26 weeks. Wow. And uh, both of them together on the same scale they wouldn't have made five pounds. One was one pound and 12 ounces. That was Jordan. And Jocelyn was one pound and 14 ounces. I had rushed to the hospital. They had to do a cesarean section. They had, you know, Christy was still in recovery from that. I got there and her mother was, I, they, they literally said to me, your wife's doing okay, but we don't know about her mother. Her mother's in there just tore up from the floor of it stressed out and everything and none of us ever been through much of, much of this kind of stuff. 
But I remember um, Christy was still in recovery. And um, they uh, took me back to see these girls. And uh, when I walked up to the, you know, that thing, that when the newborn baby's on, it's like a little bed. There's a light up here. And there lay Jocelyn. And, uh, you know, little they, I didn't know they made, a, a, well, she was in a thing where they put a, it was like a bowl with a cutout in it for the neck.
still feel this way, really, to some level today. But I always feel in life that, that I didn't measure if I wasn't good enough, especially come to serving the Lord in terms of a, a pastoral ministry. Every position that I've ever held, I felt like, well, why, why do you have me do this, Lord? Because surely there's somebody else. Surely somebody can do a better job at this than me. I felt that way about every, I went to church, the first church I passed, I'm like, I can't believe it's almost like, you know, why is not 10 people lined up to do this, God? I don't understand. Then Bethel Temple, when I went to Bethel Temple, I thought, my goodness, you know, why in the world do you want me here, God? I mean, surely there's not, I mean, you just must be at the bottom of the barrel. And I'm telling this story, it's preaching about a year ago in Florida. And a lady, you know, I was telling the story about how I never felt good enough, never felt uh, like I could uh, be good enough or, or do as well as, as as I should be doing and a whole lot of things. And I was sharing that in a message in Florida about a year ago, and a lady came up to me after the service, and she wanted me to, she said, I wish you could, uh, that you could, you could just tell my granddaughter what, you know, what you said here, what, you know, what, uh, could you, could you tell her, because she, she feels this way about herself, and she basically wanted me to write a letter to her granddaughter, and, uh, so I said, well, I'll do that, and so it, and time got away, and, uh, and I forgot about it, and, and I really forget about it, so much to do this, but it kind of slipped through the cracks, but I told this young lady, I sat down at a conference last week, and I wrote this to her, and I want to share this with you today because I feel like everywhere I go, there's people that are down on themselves. Uh, they're down on just, I mean, you you know, you're, if you're like me, you are your own worst critic. That's right. That's right. You're your own worst critic. And, um, I, and just sharing this has touched so many people. And I was in this conference in Mexico, and the Lord just shifted what I had planned on doing to, you just need to get up and share this. And this is not a whole other message I'm about to preach, but I just want to share this because I feel like it may build somebody up and then we'll pray. But I had mentioned those things, and I wrote this letter to Shauna that, that, that said this. You know, I told her that I never felt worthy to serve in these positions, and and I was preaching that message in Florida, and I was saying those things in that congregation. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said to me, you're exactly the person I'm looking for. Amen. Somebody that realizes they can't do this without me. Someone who knows and is aware they do not have the skill set, the Gideons, the Jonas. The Davids out there all felt that way about themselves. Matter of fact, uh, when the Lord called uh, Gideon, he said, I'm the least in my whole family. I'm the last person you need to be coming to to do this. Amen. God said, no, you're exactly who I'm looking yes, for. Amen. So maybe you're here today and you say, I'm the least in my family. I'm the least in the church. I want you to know that you're who God's looking for. That's right. You're who he's looking for. So whatever, you, you know, I told this young lady, I'm telling you, whatever you 
do or whatever, you know, I said, whatever it may be that you feel like you're less qualified to do, I said, know that you're not alone in those things. Many so-called unqualified people who have humbled themselves before the Lord and decided to be obedient, even though others may have seemed more qualified, have been very instrumental in moving the kingdom of God forward. The Bible teaches that those who humble themselves will be exalted. Yes, and those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Yes. And I told her, and I'll tell you, don't fall into the trap of feeling like you're not good enough, skilled enough, qualified enough. You're exactly the kind of person God wants to use. I'm talking about faith and increasing your faith. And I need you to hear that today. That, you know, nobody thought David. They didn't even call him to the meeting. They didn't even have him in the room. And Samuel looked at all of these men that everybody thought, it's got to be one of these, it's got to be one of these. Look at him, look at his accomplishments. Look at what he's doing. But God said, none of those people are who I'm looking for. You go out and get David because he's got the heart that I'm looking for. Let me tell you something. God is looking at our heart, friend. He's looking at our heart. And when these disciples said, I want my faith increased. That's when Jesus tells this story about the sycamore tree. And, and he's, what he's saying is, is that you don't need more faith. You need the faith you have to be more genuine. Your heart is what I'm looking at. Where are you today, friend? Where is your heart with the Lord today? Because I can tell you this, He loves you. He's searching for you. He's looking for you. He wants to transform you. He wants you to be the person that you're saying, I can never be that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I want to go to the Lord in prayer. Open this altar up today. There's somebody that may need just to say, I need to be lifted up. I need to feel. I need to feel that. I need that genuineness of faith. I, I want to feel that. I want to be blessed and lifted up today. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus. Oh, I know. I know you don't feel good enough. Yeah, I know you don't feel worthy. You know, I'm not good enough. You know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. And neither am I. Neither is a pastor. None of us are worthy for this grace that has been given to us. You cannot earn it. It's not there to earn. It's a gift. That's right. So you're not good enough, but God is. And he's handing that to you and saying, here, Lord, I have this gift. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to feel this way. God is going to touch your life today. Let me, have, let me pray. And come to the altar, play music, whatever you guys do. And let's just have some time with the Lord before we dismiss. Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. God, I just pray that your hand would be upon the people today. I 
pray your spirit would hover in this room like it hovered over the waters and the masses, the nothingness that it hovered over in creation and made the worlds at your word. And that same spirit can hover over the nothingness that we feel like our lives are and it can create as you speak. It can change. It can transform. I just pray that spirit would hover in this place today. Move upon us and move in our midst today. Do the work, the transforming work that needs to do in our lives today, God. We give you glory and honor for that today, Lord. We give you glory and honor. We just lift up your holy name today. We thank you, Lord, that you are able to use us and that no matter how we feel, your word says that when our heart condemns us, you are greater than our heart because you know all things. You know who we are. You know how we feel, but you still want to use us and transform us. So God, let us experience that today. Your grace, 